Hi everyone and welcome to Find Your Flow, remote learning in the 21st century. I'm Clarice and I'm the Pedagogical Director at Kingfisher Learning Online, or KFLOW for short. Welcome to our student-centered learning series. Today I'm diving into part two, project-based learning. In this series, I'm going to be covering some frequently asked questions that we get from parents about our approach to student-centered learning. And today I'm going to address some of the most important questions that we get with regards to project-based learning, what it is, why we use it, why we love it, and how it just changes the whole learning experience. Project-based learning is an approach that we use to help our students actively engage in real world and personally meaningful projects. Now, if you've listened to The Learning Brain, then you will know that active learning and a personal connection or a real world connection to the work that you are doing, to the concepts that you are learning is incredibly important if you're going to have a deep learning experience and if you are going to allow learning to go deeper than just recall for the sake of a test. So what that means practically in the classroom is that instead of worksheets and a three-step lesson plan that is prescribed by the teacher, students spend time doing research, choosing problems to solve, making thinking visible, engaging with real-world situations, um, reaching out to experts and constructing their own knowledge around a specific concept and finding the solution or finding the answer to the question and coming to a point where they have gathered and understood the information, where they have synthesized that information and where they are able to share with a select audience a product or a creation that represents their understanding. Sometimes projects are student-driven, sometimes projects are teacher-driven, sometimes the topic for the project is something that has been chosen by the students, sometimes it is something that is presented by the teacher, right? Um, and sometimes it's something that organically comes up throughout our day or you know as a result of something that has happened and we've collectively experienced like a current event so an example of this would be uh, in 2020 when coronavirus happened and we all had to adjust our lives our learning environments our home environments how we um, are spending time with family how we're isolating, how we're shopping. I mean, everybody's lives changed, right? And so social distancing and being safe and being informed and avoiding fake news became something that we all had to become very well versed in very quickly. We all had to learn the best practices. We all had to find communal agreements so that we could make sure that we are all safe and taken care of. And so... As part of our um, social awareness, life skills, um, wellness and health sections, 
we had a deep dive and then we also crossed it over with science actually we had a deep dive into coronavirus and the implications for us right now so that is just a small example of how we can draw out of current events and you know shared current events a project topic an example of a teacher-led project may include for example in our science curriculum we cover photosynthesis and cellular respiration in grade um, 7, 8 and 9 right as part of KS3 curriculum and this year during our cellular respiration and photosynthesis module the teachers decided that they were going to tie in hydroponics to give students an opportunity to really engage and have an active learning experience with the concepts that go with photosynthesis and cellular respiration. Now, traditionally, in, you know, that kind of... <laughs> lesson students would be looking at you know the formulas um, the chemical reactions a couple of slides and then it would generally end there you know the lessons would be very theory centric and then they would end there but because we are focused on a student-centered model because we are focused on active learning because we are focused on deep learning we always bring in this active learning section to any kind of concept development, right? So we use project-based learning as, an, as the approach for us to model our active learning on, okay? So during the hydroponics part of um, the learning experience, students have the opportunity to go and do their own research and build their own hydroponic farm to do some experimentation to see what works best, how can they extract nutrients, how can they structure their farms, what kind of materials are going to be most sustainable and effective, and etc. etc. Right? So there's a whole deep plan that goes along with the project-based learning um, framework. And then finally, I wanted to give you an example of a student-centered or a student-driven project. Now, a student-driven project is an own-choice project. This is where students decide how they're going to go about learning or acquiring specific skills. So a really good example of this is in the art classroom where, for example, we encourage students to learn different painting techniques, okay? And now this is a very broad example, but I just want to give you an idea. Now, we give them, you know, our um, the learning outcomes or the learning objectives, and we encourage them to go ahead and learn different kinds of techniques and bring in, for example, um, shading, movement, blending, etc., etc., but they have the choice as to what they're going to create, how they're going to create, how they're going to research, what kind of materials they're going to use. They're going to find their own way of connecting with the learning outcomes. Now, whenever I speak to parents about student-centered learning and I introduce them to ideas and approaches such as project-based learning, the first question I always get is, how are you going to make sure that our kids are covering 
all of the concepts that they need to be covering because with project-based learning it seems as though they can go off in any direction that they choose or they can get lost you know in um, the rabbit hole that is research and not focus on what needs to be learned on and not focus on the core concepts now what I have to say is <laughs> our curriculum is a lot more flexible than your average school curriculum simply because we know that students often learn very relevant things when they are extremely engaged in what they are doing right when they are extremely engaged in their active learning they are always going to learn something that is relevant and we may not always have those points on the curriculum right like they may not be part of our list of learning objectives simply because we didn't think about them but we know because we understand um, the tendency towards mastery and we understand intrinsic motivation that when children are adequately challenged and when they have a certain amount of ability, they will tend towards mastery, which means that they will acquire deeper levels of understanding and deeper ability within a specific skill set and around a specific concept. It is not difficult for us as humans to see what we need to learn once we're on the path, you know. Think of it um, in terms of driving. Yes, you may have gotten um, a couple of driving lessons in the beginning, but once you got your license, it was quite natural for you to become a better driver. Like it was quite easy for you to see that, you know, driving around without a flicker is just really not helpful or changing lanes with only so much time or space is just scary or dangerous, you know, um, not paying attention to the other drivers on the road and not thinking for, you know, for example, the person behind you or, or in front of you can sometimes mean that you, they catch you off, um, off guard or unawares, right? Like it's quite natural for us to become just natural learners inside of whatever little ecosystem we find ourselves in, right? So once we have the students engaged and actively learning and participating in something, we find that they quite naturally become aware of what the learning outcomes are, that these learning outcomes just naturally develop and organically develop in this learning process. And what happens then is that students very often exceed expectations. They go way beyond what was even on the required list of, you know, learning outcomes. So all the things that they were supposed to know. Another question that I often get is, will this teach my child to only do things that they like? Okay. And again, because we are having a look at, you know, in terms of the learning brain, like, when children are challenged and engaged in things that they enjoy, in things that they have a personal connection to, they are much more uh, likely to succeed and to stick to it, you know, and to persevere and be resilient in times of struggle or in times of failure or in times of very serious cognitive conflict. But what happens when it's a concept that they don't necessarily enjoy? What happens to those students who don't necessarily enjoy art or science or music or movement? How do we 
make sure that we are presenting these lessons to them? How do we make sure that we are giving them project-based learning experiences that are going to get them engaged, right? That we are not just giving them an opportunity to choose their own problems to solve, to choose their own um, questions to answer, and so stay within their comfort zone, right? Um, and sometimes parents obviously don't think about this, but we definitely think about this. And so we spend quite a lot of time getting to know the child and keeping track of where their gaps are, right? So where their interest gaps are, where their skill gaps are, and where their concept gaps are. We spend time observing them and we spend time noticing where they like, where they tend to shy away from specific um, activities or pursuing specific skills. And then we will challenge them. <laughs> and what I have found to be very, very true is when students start to find um, some level of competency or when they start to reach a level of competency within a subject, they very often get that kick of intrinsic motivation that they needed to continue with the engagement, to continue with the active learning. So it's very seldom that you'll find a child who just has a complete block. If that is the case, then we go even deeper and we look at past experiences in the subject. Have they perhaps, you know, received um, some really um, demotivating and um, dissuasive messages from previous teachers uh, or parents or, or peers, you know, um, like for example, something like math shame is something that is very, very prevalent in our society where there's a large percentage of people walking around thinking that they are not good at maths, that they can't do maths because all they kept hearing is, no, you're so bad at this and don't worry, you'll always just be a C student or something like that, you know. So we do dive a little bit deeper there and go and discover what is going on here. And can we just do a little bit of healing here and rewrite the story for you about how you feel about the subject and how you approach it and how competent and confident you feel and what kind of self-belief you have. And this may seem like something that is, you know, not necessarily very relevant or is a little bit more woo-woo but it's incredibly important because if we are going to raise students who are lifelong learners who are flexible and adaptable in the real world we are going to have to help them through those kinds of situations where they have a mental block towards a specific subject matter and this translates not only to like intellectual learning, but also to social emotional learning. We find that if students have the inability to, for example, identify with um, values like kindness, gentleness or compassion, it might be because they have a block, because they have some, some sort of trauma experience there. And that, that whole um, approach to understanding why you do not want to learn about something, understanding why you do not want to access a specific part of your abilities is a really, really important part of becoming a self-aware, highly functioning, regulated, contributing 
part of society and not to mention just a happy human <laughs> so no project-based learning is not just about giving students access to the things that they love it's also about challenging students to find what it is that they struggle with and to find an entry point into the subjects the skills the concepts whatever it is that they feel um, a tendency to avoid now project-based learning is relevant at all ages personally i have um use project-based learning in um, early childhood classrooms with children as young as three years <laughs> and four years old and they thrive off of this approach because it focuses on active learning because it focuses on engagement and because it focuses on our natural curiosity our natural desire to inquire, to try things out, to test things, to see how it works, to find out what's going to go wrong, <laughs> to find out what's going to go right, you know. And what we at KFLOW deeply, deeply believe in is cultivating the project-based learning mindsets and project-based learning practices from the very beginning. So that if a student starts with us in grade three, and starts to implement project-based learning from grade three by the time they get into grade five or six and imagine what would be happening in grade seven or ten <laughs> they are just soaring they are flying they are so good at this whole thing right so what does that mean what is this whole thing and what do they get so good at what are all the different skills that inherently become part of their arsenal or their toolkit when they engage in project-based learning. Now, I've mentioned that in project-based learning, we encourage students to be actively engaged, to be active learners, to do their own research, to ask questions, you know, and really to um, move away from the good old spoon feeding, which is traditional education, right? But um, project-based learning comes with the most magnificent skill set that is going to be incredibly helpful once they leave school. This includes cognitive skills, it includes the physical skills, and it includes the social-emotional skills. Okay, So some examples are, for example, the cognitive skills, critical thinking, metacognition, Creative thinking, time management and project management, observation and inference and communication. In terms of the physical skills, I mean, those can just be endless because it all just depends on what they engage in, right? But just imagine what would happen if students had the opportunity to build and model and create with their own two hands instead of just always seeing other people's examples instead of just always seeing things on the computer screen you know it's the difference between learning about how electricity works by seeing um, a powerpoint presentation and building your own circuitry systems and building your own robotics right that is what we're talking about when we talk about the hands-on skills, right? And that obviously goes hand-in-hand hand with the cognitive skills and the cognitive development. 
And then, of course, comes in social emotional skills. So it's, you know, I like to call it the head, heart and hand um, combination. And the heart part of it is things like working together, collaboration, teamwork, um, perseverance, resilience, compassion, kindness, mindfulness, and any other of those really, really important citizenry skills that we all need to be able to function in the world. Project-based learning gives a framework, it gives a container or a structure if you want um, for the children to have an organic opportunity to develop these heart, head and hand skills. We are not trying to force them to learn something. You know, it's really the difference between us arriving on, let's say, a Wednesday morning and sitting down and saying, okay, now this morning at eight o'clock, we are going to learn resilience. We are going to study the theory of it. And then we're going to give you a couple of opportunities to practice it. And then you will have learned resilience, right? And (laughs) the very organic and in the moment development of resilience when your car will not start because your wiring is incorrect (laughs) and you have to keep going when your business plan has failed and you're still operating at a loss (laughs) those kinds of you know that kind of resilience those kinds of opportunities to develop resilience that is what project-based learning offers so we absolutely absolutely swear by project-based learning and we know from our research in neuroscience that things like resilience and perseverance and compassion and all those citizenry skills are just that those skills and they can be part of our neurofunctioning so we can actually build pathways in our brain and in our body that's going to mean that we can rely on those skills in the moment that we need them. It means that we are able to use our cognitive functioning to access and pull out the specific things that we're going to need to succeed. Now, one of my favorite, favorite things about um, project-based learning and um, what we do in project-based learning is metacognition. And metacognition is thinking about our thinking. It's looking at what we've done, why we made those decisions, how we got from point A to point B, what went wrong in between, why did it go wrong, what could we have done better, you know. And it's really starting to understand how we work, how we learn how we fail and how we succeed because from that we can go ahead and reflect we can go ahead and get better we can do adequate and effective evaluation of our own performance now in you know like traditional classrooms there isn't always time or room for this kind of um Uh, part of the process right like for the metacognition for the reflection whereas in project-based learning it is an inherent piece of the puzzle like it is one of the steps that is built into the process and I find that it is the most important step when it comes to students understanding what is happening so that they're not just doing things by accident and not just accidentally succeeding in this 
project. I'm not just accidentally learning how to get my car to start. No, I'm very aware of what I've done here. And that means I will be able to do it again and again and again. And next time I may even be able to do it better because now I know where I went wrong. And that brings students to a whole nother level of um, independent learning and deep learning. And that is what we want. That is why we use a student-centered model because everyone has their own journey. Everyone's brain is unique. Everybody's programming is unique. Everybody's functioning is unique. And it has to happen from the student first. It has to be a student-centered experience. Otherwise, it will never happen as effectively as it possibly can. That's it for me on project-based learning. If you have any questions about this, if you have um, questions about what kind of projects we're doing, about how we've implemented this, you know, other than the examples that I've already provided, please go ahead and send us an email. If you are ready to enroll your child with us or your children with us, please go ahead and send us an email. All of our links are in the comments there are, um, or the show notes. We are very, very excited to be welcoming in new students at any time of the year. So please go ahead and reach out. Thank you all for tuning in.